Time to check in with Bill Tillman. We check in with him every Friday at this time. Bill is a veteran BC political strategist and campaigner, former Vancouver City Council candidate. Bill, thank you for coming on today. Always my pleasure, Mike. Okay, Bill, let's talk about the fight over the carbon tax here now. This leaked email here from the provincial energy minister. Well, this is cloak and dagger stuff here. She uh, apparently she printed out this email and then dropped it on the floor of the legislature yesterday. And, and guess who found it? BC United, the opposition, got their hands on this thing. So I'm taking a look at it now, Bill. It says, <laughs> it says uh, we could announce we are going to use the carbon tax revenues to freeze BC hydro rates for people. Give the people a big and shiny affordability measure in the budget. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think they're sort of panicking a bit here? What do you think of that? Well, there's no happy, shiny people in Victoria in the government today after seeing that memo come up, Mike. Mm. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of when uh, former Mayor, thank you, Mayor Kennedy Stewart's team lost the fundraising list and they're all hell broke loose oh yeah after that one in the last year's election uh look uh this is the uh, you know unfortunately for energy minister josie osborne this is the inner workings and the inner thinkings of a key member of cabinet on a key topic um suddenly becoming public and um so i i guess the the first lesson is never write yourself a memo and print it um and then carry it around with you because something's happened somehow but it clearly indicates that Premier David Eby and the NDP government are concerned about the growing problems with the carbon tax or growing uh, concern about the carbon tax by voters. And I have yeah. to presume that uh, any time you see a government that's concerned, you have to presume they've seen some polling that says this is a big issue as well. So, you know, I, I mean, personally, if someone wants to give me a freeze on my hydro rates, I'm all in favor of that. So uh, from that yeah. perspective, it's not it's not like it's a disaster memo or something. So that's the good news for, for Josie Osborne. But uh, not the kind of thing you ha- want to have happen on your watch. Well, especially when they're pointing a finger at Falcon, Kevin Falcon, the BC United leader, and saying that he's turning his back on climate change because he wanted to give people a break on the carbon tax. And now here's their own internal memos considering the same thing. So you're right. I mean, this is a little look into how the sausages are made here in uh, <laughs> politics here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give them a big shiny object here on the car- a carbon tax rebate on your hydro bill. Let's listen to the energy minister here. Now, she dr- she admitted that, yeah, this is her email, and these are her words in this in this leaked email, but she's standing by it here. Let's have a listen to her. All ideas are on the table, and we're going to continue to press and look for everything we can do to support affordability. We know we're in the middle of the biggest transition that our economy has seen. We're going to keep pushing for investments into, into BC's clean economy, but we have to do this in a way that's affordable for British Columbians. Okay, so now all of a sudden they have to be affordable with the carbon tax here. That's the energy minister, Josie Osborne. Now here's Kevin Falcon, BC United leader. It was, his, it was his staff that found this memo lying on the floor of the legislature. Let's listen to him. The NDP are reacting to the public pressure they're seeing over the relentless carbon tax hikes and their uh, cost BC environmental scheme that's going to layer even more costs on British Columbians. And what is their response? Let's find something big and shiny to distract the public. Yeah, big and shiny. Bill, your thoughts? Uh, well, the, I mean, 
the memo just kind of gets better and better too. Is, is uh, we know that Premier David Eby won't say no, won't want to say no to anybody. Oh my goodness, uh, you know. And uh, <clears throat> PDE Premier David Eby needs to understand the scale. Um, yeah. So you know, this is uh, yeah, like you said, this is uh, you don't want to see the sausage making or how they do legislation is the old saying I think from Bismarck and. This clearly indicates that there's lots going on in the background. I mean, the energy minister doesn't do memos to herself for no good reason. So pretty clearly this is a discussion that's happening. And I think we'll, uh, maybe that's put a pause on for a little bit longer after this memo became public before they do something. Or maybe they'll switch it up because the memo came out. But it certainly shows where they're thinking. Well, yeah, it, it certainly does. It shows that they're worried here about people feeling the pinch on this carbon tax. And despite EB's earlier comments this week that he was not budging on the carbon tax i think this indicates they're they're looking clearly at, at budging on it so i think at this point now that the cat's out of the bag here are they aren't they almost politically required now to deliver some sort of carbon tax relief i mean if they don't now that would look pretty bad wouldn't it yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think there's something going to happen for sure. And I think, but that said, Mike, I think they were probably going to, or almost certainly going to do something somehow. And this is just one of the ways. So maybe they might do it slightly differently. Maybe they won't. Um, and they'll take credit for it, of course. And, you know, if you're going to give people a tax break, it's it's worth taking credit for. I also noticed, though, that she, uh, the Minister Osborne says, um, maybe we could pass a cabinet order and put some pressure on Fortescue, a company which is proposing a three billion dollar green hydrogen plant in Prince George, um, you know, you she put it very bluntly. You either pay BC Hydro one billion under the existing tariff, or agree to scale down the size of your project. So there's there's lots to this memo for a one pager. It's got a lot of news value in it. Yeah, it really it really does. Okay, that's fascinating uh, glimpse into the back uh, the back rooms of government here. Let's move on to the. Uh, property tax increase proposed in the city of Vancouver, 7.6% property tax hike. Let's go back to what Ken Sim, the Vancouver mayor, said earlier about property tax increases in the city of Vancouver. Let's listen. Now, I know increases like this are hard. Frankly, they suck. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they suck. They suck. So tax increases suck. Now, if you go back to last year, Bill, there was another big property tax increase from Ken Sim and his council last year. And I thought this was a fascinating spin on, on why they've got to, they keep, they got to keep jacking up uh, property taxes in Vancouver. He was so critical of the previous uh, city council for increasing taxes and overspending. But listen to what he says here. Well, the, the reason why the city of Vancouver has to increase taxes. Have a listen to this. There's been an underfunding of core services uh, throughout the city of Vancouver um, for the last decade. We've had a, a roof over the city of Vancouver that's been leaking for the last decade, and previous administrations have basically kicked the can down the street, um, and the problem's gotten bigger, and it's gotten more expensive. Well, I guess he is saying what the previous, the previous council wasn't spending enough, so now he's got to jack up taxes to spend more. Your thoughts? <laughs> Oh, they were spending enough, Mike. They yeah, were, they were. They, they were. Some people were saying that was a time when we had, uh, you know, a one and a half to two percent inflation, and council was bringing in budgets four, five, six, six percent a year under Kennedy Stewart and the uh, mixed crew that was there. Look, Ken Sim got elected to to do 
differently than Kennedy Stewart. And so far, he's had a total of an 18.3% tax increase in two years. Uh, like this is, uh, this is extraordinary, uh, another extraordinary tax increase. And I don't think, you know, they said last year with this 10.7%, which is outrageous, 10% can, uh, they said, oh, we're not, well, this won't happen again. And as you just played the clip, I, this sucks. Well, it sucks again this year, too. Yeah. And they're clearly, they're clearly still spending sucks. lots of time. It they, still they got, sucks. Oh, well, yeah. And they got time to project the Rolling Stones logo on City Hall, uh, you know, for the senior citizens tour coming. And they don't, <laughs> but they don't spend time on on the important stuff of saying, like, how can we have a, a more reasonable tax increase on the most expensive city in the province? Uh, 7.6 is just not what anyone was expecting. And, you know, people thought they were electing a, a center-right government that would look at costs and find some savings and, and do a better job. And, and they've got somebody who's spending more than Kennedy Stewart ever did. Okay, don't, don't be dissing Mick Jagger here, though, now. Come on now. <laughs> He's only 80. I can't pick on him. He can still rock. I, I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to go to that show. Okay, let's finish up with... Um, the B.C. government bill here that would basically prevent municipalities from shutting down uh, homeless encampments unless they can prove that they have adequate shelter space in the city to for the people who would be displaced if they shut down an encampment. Now, there was a big backlash from municipalities on this bill, as you know, uh, from cities saying, look, you, you can't do this to us. I mean, some of these encampments are dangerous. You know, you, now you're expecting us to prove shelter space. David Eby stepping in here now, apparently pressing the pause button on this bill. Let's listen to Eby here. We need cities and the provincial government to have clarity. What is the expectation of the court uh, in order to be able to remove an encampment from a park? Bill, your thoughts? Well, I think this is another one where we're seeing the sausage making going on it's a sec- for a second time. The UBCM, the Union of BC Municipalities, which represents all of our civic government, said, hey, hang on a minute, this is just going to be impossible for us to be able to get rid of uh, any encampments because you have to prove that you've got shelter space for everyone available and the shelter space just doesn't exist. And that's largely a provincial um, legislation, a provincial uh, jurisdiction. So that, that was a, a point well made. Um, I'm glad the government did pause this. and They have to figure it out. But, you know, we, we need and I think uh, Mayor Leonard Krogh from the NIMO has raised it publicly yet again. We need to start talking about putting some people into mandatory treatment, mandatory um, rehabilitation, because they we're, we're not doing them any favors, leaving them to rot on the street uh, in terrible weather without shelter, yeah. looking for for shots of fentanyl. That's that's no life for anybody. So I hope this promotes uh, within the, the provincial government a good discussion of what we should be doing here, because what we're what we have been doing isn't working pretty clearly. Let's go right to your phone calls here, Len in Nanaimo. Hi, Len, go ahead. Well, hi. I, I'm just wondering, I mean, these are open-air, outdoor palliative care from what I see in my streets. I live downtown, and it's just an open-air palliative care. And I'm wondering if it's time to start discussing, anyways, uh, the idea of suspending the civil liberties of people that can't look after themselves. Well, we get into the whole involuntary care question. Thank you, Len, for raising it. And, Bill, it sounds like there's a lot of people talking about this, but it doesn't seem to be moving in any direction. Your thoughts? Well, 
there's always the question of someone's civil liberties, of course, but of you know, course. there's all sorts of reasons that people get taken to some form of custody, and they they don't always get arrested. Some people go to the drunk tank, but don't get arrested in order to not uh, drive a car or hurt themselves or anybody else. So there's all sorts of reasons. There's things uh, medically where people are restricted in their limits and their uh, sorry in their uh, travel because of illness, uh, something contagious. So the, the legislation is certainly possible, and it's other jurisdictions do that. Uh, the challenge is the political will, but I think there's a strong majority that would support a limited version of this. And, and certainly we could see with some of the more extreme cases first and say, like, we're going to try and help those people first and see how it goes. I think somebody who is articulate, um, can represent themselves in court, but happens to be using heroin and fentanyl probably aren't going to. Uh, be put into a mandatory treatment program. But, uh, you know, you've seen it, Mike. I have. We see it in Victoria, Nanaimo, Vancouver, um, all, all across the province. People who are clearly suffering, who are clearly not able to fend for themselves. Right. Yeah, no, we all see it. Jim in Surrey. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. You know, this 7.6% tax increase in Vancouver is like Surrey's dream day at the tax table. <laughs> We're going to be in for a 27% here tax increase here, gentlemen. And Surrey gets pounded into the ground with taxes. Vancouver gets a 7.6%. Are you kidding me? Two carbon taxes, two police forces? What a bungle up this is. It's yeah. disgusting, really. We all breathe the same air and drive on the same roads down here in the lower mainland. The only thing that separates us is a bridge. Think about that for a second. Okay, thank you, Jim, for the call. Well, it does seem like in Surrey there is a big looming tax hike because of the cost of the policing transition bill, and this is why you see the mayor, Brenda Locke, uh, talking about the NDP police force, as she calls it now in in Surrey, because she wants to pin the blame for this right on the the provincial government. Oh, yeah, and she made it very clear that Surrey taxpayers are going to get a a line item in capital, bold, red print, saying uh, due to policing service transition brought about by the provincial government. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, the funny thing is in Vancouver, we've had a total of uh, 18.3% tax increase. We don't have a new police force. You know, we don't. No. We didn't get a. We didn't get a transition or anything. This is just spending on all sorts of things. So I, I certainly I feel uh, badly for people in Surrey. This is going to yeah. be an expensive venture. That's for sure. It is. And, and uh, you know they voted against it in the last municipal election, and the provincial government just doesn't want to make a uh, any move on that to reflect that. And I no. think there's going to be more trouble ahead, as we've the, talked about so many times. The battle goes on. Stephen in Burnaby. Stephen, you got thirty seconds here. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'd really like the city to take a look at things that don't make any money, like such as bike lanes. This is a huge cost as a percentage of square footage of the land, and we don't charge the bikers anything. No licensing fees, no insurance, no costs, no nothing, and it's all a cost for the taxpayer. Okay, Bill. Well, there's lots of things that don't make money, but I have to admit, I would uh, I would be very interested in looking at a, a scheme where you are licensed bicyclists, and in order to uh, ensure that everybody pays their fair share for all of the maintenance, the roads, and bicycle lanes, everything else. Bill, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure.